And so, Father, we pray for all those others who are sick and afflicted tonight. Again, we give you praise and glory for answers to prayer. And now we come to thy word, Lord. I pray that you would open our eyes that we may see once again your marvelous grace and the love you bestowed on us through your son, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of First Peter, the letter of First Peter tonight. We're starting a new series in, in this uh, epistle. The Apostle Peter wrote to the churches abroad. And uh, this particular, uh, these letters of Peter, First and Second Peter, um, are some of the most practical, I think, practical epistles uh, in the New Testament. Of course, Paul's are tremendous, as well as others, John. But we're going to find out a lot about ourselves in this study of First Peter, as we begin here. Um, and I titled, you probably looked in the bulletin and saw the title of the series, Alien Life. Alien Life. I hope that grabbed your attention. Uh, but that's what came to my mind as I began to prepare this series. Alien Life. And isn't it amazing? Uh, you remember back in the 50s and 60s when... Uh, there was the, the big fad about UFOs. What was that, Area 51 or something like that? And then, uh, and then just, uh, you know, talk about, you know, and people were saying they, they saw UFOs in the sky and, and here and there, and actually an alien was found and kept hidden by the government, all that, all that kind of thing. Well, it's funny how it seems to have resurfaced. The whole idea of aliens or, uh, or UFOs, unidentified flying objects. In fact, just uh, this month, I just read this part of an article. Pentagon officials have warned that an alien mothership is in our solar system, which could be sending probes to Earth. How about that? So uh, you better go home now. Uh, since the Martians are coming. Um, A recent report published by the U.S. Intelligence Hub noted how, quote, parent craft could send down smaller probes to Earth that may be used similarly to how NASA sends probes to look at other planets. The report was co-authored by the Pentagon's uh, All-Dominion Anomaly Resolution Office, Director Sean Kirkpatrick and Chairman of Harvard University Astronomy Department, Abraham Loeb, uh, who suggested the potential of a large ship in space. American officials have been developing units to investigate strange phenomena for quite some time. AARO launched in July 2022, and they track unidentified objects near or on the earth in 2005 pan stars telescopes were created for nasa to locate 90 percent of the objects in earth's orbit larger than 140 meters which is about which is how the potential alien mothership was said to be detected how about that 
Before that, on October 19th, 2017, the telescopes noticed a strange interstellar object, and they named it Omunanmun. <laughs> don't, don't even ask me to say that again. But, but it means scout in Hawaiian. It traveled away from the sun without uh, a cometary tail, leading scientists to classify it as an object, as artificial. Now, isn't that funny? That, and, and then we had the whole thing about the China, objects from China flying over the balloons, and we got all that. And, and all of a sudden, everybody's talking about alien life. Now, um, alien life is important. Do we believe in alien life? Uh, well, we know that there is the unseen forces of darkness as well as the angels of light that the Lord has all around us working invisibly. But the Apostle Peter here is concerned about alien life as it relates to the believer. And that's where we're going with this. That you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are... uh, are considered or should consider ourselves aliens here on this earth. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. Now, the letter here that Peter wrote, he wrote it sometime, they believe, just before or just after the beginning of the reign of Nero. Does that ring a bell, Nero, that name? Oh, yeah. Uh, He was the one that actually, in the Roman Empire, he is the one that officially began the the, the state persecution of Christians. And you know many of the stories of Nero. But uh, at the beginning of Nero's reign, most of the persecution that was coming to the churches uh, were uh, from social and religious uh, people. And, and all across, of course, in Palestine, they were scattered, and as you know, uh, the, the Jews uh, were dispersing. But, but the gospel went forth, but many people who had come to Christ were now running from those who were, were, were out to kill Christians, out to persecute them. And so they were, of course, the new believers, the new church, is living in a hostile society. And Peter wants to encourage the saints who are out there, encourage them in their faith, in their walk with the Lord, as they consider themselves, and he reminds them of this, of who they are in Christ. And that is aliens in this world. And we see he actually uses this term. It's translated in the, in the uh, English here. But we're do- tonight, we're just doing an introductory uh, <clears throat> study here of verses 1 and 2. So two verses let's look together at, okay? So let's read the two verses together, and then we'll begin to break it down. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are 
chosen. Who are chosen. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. So here we have his opening to his letter as Peter addresses his writers. Now, he, of course, declares himself an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this gives him the authority, again, to those who would read his letter. And he's writing to who? To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout all these, these provinces. And this is all provinces under the Roman Empire. He's addressing aliens. Now, uh, what had happened is that the church began to, as we shared, they began to uh, be persecuted. And so they were feeling actually alienated by the world. And some of them were having difficulty with this. And, but he reminds them, he says, those who reside as aliens, aliens on earth, And he's not just talking about Jewish believers, but he's talking about Gentile believers as well. The term aliens here, if you have a King James translation there, what what word do you have? Does anybody have a King James? Yes, you have, that's it, strangers. So New American Standard and some other versions uh, use the term, which is the same for strangers, aliens here. And... uh, And we're going to see that this word actually uh, contains two inherent ideas that we're going to see in just a moment. But but he's talking about aliens, and those are people who are both foreigners and temporary residents. Those who are foreigners and temporary residents, that's what an alien is in, you know, in terms, in legal terms here and if you travel to another country um, you are considered a foreigner a stranger or as the term is used here alien Uh, it's it's interesting when you travel overseas how you're treated because you are an alien because you are a foreigner Uh, how many have traveled overseas any of you got anybody? Yeah, a lot of you have. Haven't it? I, I've had the opportunity too uh, to see a number of countries, uh, basically from my trips to Israel, because then we'd stop in Rome, Italy, and Egypt, other places. <clears throat> um, but I guess the the place I spent most of my alien time is in Canada. And uh, yeah, that was yeah. So. Uh, believe me, when I went up there, uh, you know, my mom and dad are from there. So I was, first five years of my life, I was raised, I was born here, but then my family moved up to Canada, Western Canada, and then we were raised in Western Canada. And after five years of um, the beginning of my life, we moved back to Philadelphia, and then we stayed. But my parents were Canadians and family, as as many of you know. And then, of course, that's where I had to find the most 
precious, beautiful woman in the world to marry me. And, uh, <clears throat> and had, had to go to Canada. And, of course, the Lord, Lord blessed me with Sharon. But if you go there, go to Canada, you will find, even though they are North American, you know, th- th- there are neighbors and we, we have much in common. Uh, as soon as you start to talk, they know you're a foreigner. Or if you have a Canadian come and visit here, right? A? Yeah. What's it? What, a or, or how about that new car I bought? Yeah. The words they, they use up there, you know, in their own way, uh, it, it's curious, but the, the most interesting is when you go to a foreign country such as Israel. And one of the trips going to Israel, uh, I was there with my sister, and Wendy was with me on that trip. And we went, we were going through Jerusalem, and <clears throat> suddenly an Arab approaches us. And the Arab says, uh, points at Wendy, my sister, and goes, how much? How much you want for her? Yeah. I said, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, she's not for sale. I tell you what, I give you seven camels. Yeah, this has actually happened. I give you seven camels. You see, she had blonde hair, white, and so she looked foreign. And uh, if you had blonde hair over there, you were worth a fortune. And so, so I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't take seven camels. Oh, okay, 14, 14 camels. I said, I said, no, she, this is my sister. She's not for, for sale or trade. But th- they, that's how they treat foreigners sometimes. And they know right away that you, you don't speak their dialect. You, don't, you're, you're, you, know, you look different. <clears throat> but Peter is concerned about the believer's lifestyle, your lifestyle and mine, our behavior and lifestyle on planet Earth, which is to be considered foreign to us. And how sad it is when we actually find out that um, many times we get swept up in the culture. We get swept up into the culture of America or the modern day culture and the worldly culture and suddenly the value system starts to seep in to our value system which is supposed to be biblically based. And and how sad it is when some Christians suddenly uh, are so become so immersed in the world and all it has to offer that they're almost invisible as Christians and you don't see that they don't stand out as believers. And Peter is, is basically encouraging the, the saints to understand that they are going to be persecuted because they are foreigners if you are living for Christ if your lifestyle shows Christ and you are different than the world. And so we see here, he uses the word strangers or aliens. And uh, turn to John 17 with me. Let's go to Gospel of John 17, verse 13. Jesus speaking to his disciples. John 17, and we'll pick it up at verse 13. Jesus said, 
But now I come to thee. And these things, and, and again, at this point, he's, he's actually praying. This is the Lord's high priestly prayer. He's praying to the heaven, his heavenly father in front of the disciples. So he's doing this, you know, uh, out loud. They can hear him praying to the father. And he's praying so that they can hear him. And he prays to the Father in the upper room there. But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy, and that my joy may be made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, neither as I am not of the world. I do not, verse 15, I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Here, Jesus Christ makes it very clear to his disciples who are hearing and pray to the Father that they are aliens in this world. You and I really don't belong here when we were saved, when we were set, uh, saved and sanctified and became children of God, suddenly at that moment, you and I suddenly were set apart from the world. And we, were not, we are not of this world any longer, just as Jesus was never a part of this world. And so Jesus is making it clear. And he's asking the Father, Lord, I don't want you to just take them to heaven right now and take them away from all the persecution they're going to experience, all the suffering. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, we would say, Lord, take me home. Sometimes we want to do that when the pressure gets so so hard and so hot. But the Lord Jesus is prays to the Father. He says, I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one while they're here. And that should be our prayer for one another, and for ourselves every day. Father, keep me from the evil one. Keep me from Satan and his attacks and the world that that he will use to bring into my life to try and draw my attention away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Peter is concerned about. He, He is concerned about are we living are we uh, as we live in the world are we living of the world do we act like we really do belong here and so we'll see that as we turn back to first peter again chapter one if you go back with me and uh, notice there in verse one again he says to those who reside as aliens scattered and then he names all these provinces again the word scattered there is the Greek word uh, uh, diaspora, which is used uh, in reference to the Jews that were scattered all across the, uh, the countries. As they, they, and of course, that all began <clears throat> at the, uh, when the captivity took place, uh, Babylon and Assyria. But then people, uh, the Jews were being persecuted as well as Christians, and so the Jews were being dispersed, but the Christians are being dispersed all over the world. The gospel's going forth, but 
uh, Peter is basically saying, this letter is for all you, wherever you are. I want you to be encouraged with this. First of all, what? The end of verse 1. He says, you who are chosen. And then verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Here, Peter, right at the beginning here, as he's, as he's speaking to all these uh, aliens, Christian strangers, who are, are now being persecuted, he first reminds them that they are chosen. Isn't it wonderful to know that you were chosen by God? And I don't think we can really grasp that, that God cho- chose you and I before the foundation of the world. Turn, in fact, to Ephesians chapter 1, because we see it right here as what Paul says in Ephesians 1. Just slide over to Ephesians 1, verse 3. Paul makes it clear to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And here it is, verse 4. Just as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and to the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, in all wisdom and insight. Here, basically, the Apostle Paul is saying the same thing Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, Timothy, Peter is saying. Peter is saying uh, to the churches, remember you were chosen, chosen by God. And Paul says it before the foundation of the earth. And when we come to this idea of being chosen Uh, you know it's 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 one of those truths um, that is is hard again to comprehend that God chose us before the foundation of the world and yet we must when we consider we're chosen and that is for the encouragement of your hearts and mine after we are saved as believers But what I don't go out and do when I preach the gospel or share the gospel, right, is I don't go out and say, well, those who are chosen will will be saved here. And um, I don't know if you're one of them. We'll see. But can you imagine just going out and just speaking of that, that basically, well, Wait and see. Wait and see, and, and you'll know whether or not you're going to be saved or not. With, with the sovereignty of God, the truth of the sovereignty of God, which we find in Scripture, 
which falls under the, uh, uh, again, his, his predestination and foreknowledge. Now, of course, that speaks of God knowing before it happens, knowing things before it happens, but yet he's in sovereign, total control of his universe and everything he created. So we know God is sovereign. And so we have the doctrine of election in the scriptures, right? And from passages of the, uh, like this. But yet there are, um, there is another truth that is found throughout scripture and that is the responsibility of man to believe the responsibility of man to believe and that of course is uh, under the heading of of the free will of man so you have in the scriptures right we were chosen before the foundation of the world but yet we have Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a choice. God gives man a choice. Did God give Adam and Eve a choice in the garden to take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? What did he give man a free will? Did he give him a free will to make choices? To believe. God knows and and has chosen us before the foundation of the world. And so we understand that 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 we understand his uh, uh, his almighty power and sovereignty, but yet there is the truth that man is responsible to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have, of course, the <clears throat> the scripture uh, and uh, that. Uh, Peter basically gives later in his letter, uh, he says, God is not willing that anyone should perish, but how many? All should come to a knowledge of of him in Christ Jesus. God is not willing that any should perish. So here's the thing. You know, there's been the the arguments, and so there's been the splits, the the denominations, everything over these these doctrines, right? The free will of man and the sovereignty of God and, and election. Here's the way I look at it. Uh, that both are true. Both are preached in Scripture. And so we have both truths found in Scripture, but they cannot be be come together as one because we cannot comprehend it because they seem directly opposed to one another so i leave it with the lord all i know is god chose me to found the before the foundation of the world but i also know that he has he has he has sent me the gospel then and my responsibility is through the leading of the holy spirit to believe on the lord jesus christ so I like to look at it this way. You have both truths, but it's like a two-lane highway going through Scripture. And they never cross. But you ha- are there things in the Scriptures you believe but you don't understand? Yes. I have a whole lot of them that I don't understand. I don't understand God's ways. 
They're higher than ours. But I know that these, we have to believe the truths that are presented to us in the word. So, but I want you to take to heart this, this wonderful truth that you have been chosen before the foundation of the world. So look with me again here. If you go back to 1 Peter, go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 again and look at verse 2. He goes on. He said, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father... And then, how are we chosen? By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And of course, we know that there is the initial part of sanctification, positional sanctification, when you were saved, you and I came to know Christ, we were sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and of course, that word sanctified refers to being separated unto. We were separated unto Christ, unto God, through the work of the Holy Spirit that saved us. And so he set us apart, and he set us apart positionally unto God, so that at that moment, being sanctified, set apart, suddenly, what am I leaving over here? The world. The world and my old self and my old lifestyle and things. And suddenly I am in... I am to walk in a different lifestyle. I am to walk differently because I'm sanctified by the Spirit. I now belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he speaks of sanctification. And then look what he says after that. So once you are sanctified, what is uh, Peter's desire or what, what the Lord wants? that you may obey Jesus Christ. And this will lead into the alien lifestyle that we're going to be looking at, the lifestyle that you and I have to live, a lifestyle that's different than the world, that when the world looks at you and looks at me, they look at us like we're crazy. They look like, what are you believing? Why are you living the way you are? There's no fun in your life. And, you know, they, they will look at us that way, and there will be persecution. But he says, this is the purpose we were sanctified, that we may obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. Now, we were washed in the blood as we were <clears throat> initially sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit. But once we are saved, right, we are saved by grace through faith, Then we begin, through the help of the Holy Spirit, to obey Christ and his commandments, obey God's word, as we obey God's word. But what seems to be a problem sometimes during the day? It's a three-letter word, sin. Sin gets in the way. We still have that old sin nature that affects me, and I have to deal with it. Paul the apostle, he wrote about it in Romans 7 how he struggled. He had the battle going inside of him. You know, the old nature and the new nature in Christ. That old nature, the sinful nature is dead in me, but it's still there. And it can still raise its ugly head. And I can, I can go back to the fl- and allow the flesh in me because I'm in this worldly body. I, I, I can go back and I can allow myself to live <clears throat> according to the flesh, which is sin, of course. 
And so I battle with sin, you battle with sin until we get to heaven, until sin is eradicated completely. But we have that struggle. But here's the good news, that as, as aliens set apart, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, we have a cleansing power, don't we? 1 John 1, 9. John speaking to the believers of those who are already sanctified, set apart, saved, chosen before the foundation of the world. But <clears throat> if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, right? If we, John, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here is the sprinkling I believe Peter is talking about. The sprinkling of the blood on a daily basis that his blood still continues to cleanse me even though I am saved. I've been washed in the blood. Therefore, positionally, I am sanctified. But I've got to walk a sanctified life which is progressive sanctification until I get to heaven. I want to be more like Christ. And Peter is, is making that plain and clear. As aliens, the only way that we can stand out from the world, be separate from the world, is if first I am living an obedient life to Christ and I'm obeying his word and then I'm making sure that I am keeping short accounts with God that I am, I am confessing my sin as soon as I am aware of my sin, even though sins maybe I don't know I'm committing. By the end of the day, I say, Lord, forgive me for the sins that maybe I committed that I don't know about, but here's the ones I do know about, Lord, and we just confess as soon as we know about them. That's called keeping short accounts with God. And then there is a constant cleansing all through our life until we get to heaven, and that's the way we can walk in the Spirit. You and I can walk in the spirit. And that's how I begin to live the alien life before the world. So that, you, know, you remember those movies in the 50s and 60s? Uh, they had all the alien movies and everything, you know, and science fiction movies. And suddenly an alien would appear on earth and everybody would stare at it and see how different they are. I have to ask myself, Lord, if somebody watches my life, do they see something different than that the world offers or the way they're living can they actually see jesus christ in me this is what peter is concerned about and then he concludes his introduction of the letter at the end of verse two may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure grace and peace the peace of god He's praying that the grace of God and the peace of God will be the aliens, these Christian aliens, theirs in fullest measure. In other words, in abundance. And tonight, as we we wrap this up, uh, the Lord wants to speak to my heart. And he wants me to look inwardly and see what kind of lifestyle I am living before the world and how am I living in such a way that I can actually lead someone to Jesus Christ and say, here's the difference he makes because they can see the difference in me. And I know 
uh, people have seen your lives and they've seen Jesus in you, the way you live, the way we talk, you know, the, the, our behavior in the home, how we l- are able to, through the Holy Spirit, love one another and control our emotions and our attitudes, wrong attitudes, but we can be totally under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. And what happens then? He is manifest in me. And I, I pray, Lord, I pray you would be more manifest in my body today than yesterday, that Jesus might be seen in us. May this be our prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this tremendous letter that you caused the Apostle Peter to write, Father, to the churches and to us. Father, I pray that we might consider how we then live. May we continue to live that life that is pleasing to you. Father, an, an alien lifestyle that is different than what the world lives and the world behaves. Father, may we stand out and be counted. And knowing that persecution may and will come as we take our stand in these last days. Father, be manifested in us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, until he returns. And we pray all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.